All right. Howdy, Hootathunkers. This is the host of the Hootathunkin podcast, Zeb, as always. Coming here, episode 83. And this is the last episode of the Fright Fest, this year's Fright Fest, where all episodes during the month of October are creepy, spooky, or downright scary. First, let's start with the recommendation segment, separate from the actual episode topic. I'd just like to recommend things every once in a while. This episode, I'd like to recommend the show Supernatural. The first episode aired in September of 2005, and the final episode aired in November of 2020, so quite a long series. If you like binging, you can get into this one, and it'll last quite a while. However, um, the first couple seasons are a little hard to get through, and I hate when people tell me that. Check out this show. You just have to get through the first season. If it's a good show, I should like it right away. I know. I get it. However, I was in college, and I was just having something on, so I kept watching this. So I watched the first three seasons, which I'm not that big of a fan of. They had a cool feel to them, but it wasn't really, you know, it was very episodic. Anyway, we'll get into that. Starring Jason Eccles as Dean Winchester and Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester, this haunting series follows the thrilling yet terrifying journeys of Sam and Dean Winchester, two brothers who face an increasingly sinister landscape as they hunt monsters. After losing their mother to a supernatural force, the brothers were raised by their father as soldiers who track mysterious and demonic creatures, violent memories, and relationship-threatening secrets add additional burdens on Sam and Dean as they investigate all things that go bump in the night. As old tricks and tools are rendered useless and friends betray them, the brothers must rely on each other as they encounter new enemies. Um, Now, I remember the first few seasons as being very episodic, like I said, meaning each episode had very little impact on the next episode or the episode that came before. Like, each one was its own individual story, which to me, I'm not a big fan of. I want a big overarching narrative that that changes and evolves. That's what I love. But when season four rolled around, the show really found its groove and started a massive narrative that flowed really well. So if, if you get past the first three seasons, like I said, I know I hate people when do that to me. Just want, Just get through the first three and then you're good. No, it should be a good show the whole way through. Like The Office. Once a lot of people say, get through the first season of The Office, then it's great. Why shouldn't it be great to begin with? Whatever. Now, the show has a great cast, soundtrack, and the car that Dean drives is actually listed on Google as a major element to the show. It's a 1967 Chevy Impala, and it's freaking badass. So, really awesome show. Check out Supernatural. Now, for the main event. The story I'm about to tell was first shown to me by my cousins Ryan and Ange, When I went to visit them years ago in Las Vegas, it scared the ever-living shit out of me. I didn't write this story. It's from the website Creepypasta, so I hope you enjoy. This is the Russian sleep experiment. Now, Russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using experimental gas-based stimulant. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them since it was toxic on high concentrations. This was before closed-circuit cameras, so they had only microphones and 5-inch thick glass porthole-sized windows into the chamber to monitor them. The chamber was stocked with books, cots to sleep on, but no bedding, running water, and toilet. And enough dried food to last all five for over a month. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II in Russia. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subject hardly complained, having been promised falsely that they would be freed if they submitted submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. 
Their conversations and activities were monitored, and it was noted that they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic incidents in their past, and the general tone of their conversations took on darker as took on a darker aspect after the four-day mark. After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and events that led them to where they were and started to demonstrate severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other and began alternately alternately whispering to the microphones, one-way mirrored and one-way mirrored potholes. Oddly, they all seemed to think they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades, the other subjects in captivity with them. At first, the researchers suspected this was an effect of the gas itself. After nine days, the first of them started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber, repeatedly yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. He continued attempting to, stream, to scream, but was only able to produce occasional squeaks. The researchers postulated that he had physically torn his vocal cords. The most surprising thing about this behavior is how the other captives re reacted to it, or rather, didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took the books apart, smeared page after page with their own feces, and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. The screaming promptly stopped. So did the whispering to the microphones. After three more days passed, the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working, since they thought it possible that no sound could be coming with five people inside. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five must still be alive. In fact, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume at a very heavy level of strenuous exercise. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they would not do to get a reaction from the captives. They used the intercom inside the chamber, hoping to provoke any response from the captives they were afraid were either dead or vegetables. They announced, quote, we are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor, or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. To their surprise, they heard a single phrase and a calm voice response. We no longer want to be freed. Debate broke out amongst the researchers and military forces funding the research. Unable to provoke any more response using the intercom, it was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed of the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air, and immediately voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices began begging, as if pleading for the life of loved ones, to turn the gas back on. The chamber was opened, and soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder than ever, and so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside. Four of the five subjects were still alive, although no one could rightly call the state of that any of them in life. The, flood, the food rations passed day five had not been so much as touched. There were chunks of meat from the dead test subject thighs and chest stuffed into the drains in the center of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. Precisely how much of the water on the floor was actual, actually blood was never determined. All four surviving 
test subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies. The destruction of the flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips indicated that the wounds were inflicted by hand, not with teeth, as the researchers initially thought. Closer examination of the position and angles of the wounds indicated that most of it, most if not all of them, were self-inflicted. The abdominal organs below the ribcage of all four test subjects had been removed. While the heart, lungs, and diaphragm remained in place, the skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the ribcage. All the blood vessels and organs remained intact. They had just been taken out and laid on the floor, fanning out around the eviscerated but still living bodies of the subjects. The digestive tract of all four could be seen to be working digesting food. It quickly became apparent that what they were digesting was their own flesh that they had ripped off and eaten over the course of days. Most of the soldiers were Russian, special operatives at the facility, but still many refused to return to the chamber to remove the, the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber and alternately begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on lest they fall asleep. To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put on fierce fight up in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out, and another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off, an artery in his legs severed by one of the subjects' teeth. Another five of the soldiers lost their lives, if you count, none, if you count ones that committed suicide in the weeks that followed the incident. In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured, and he bled out almost immediately. The medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but this proved impossible. He was injected with more than ten times the human dose of morphine derivative and still fought like a cornered animal, breaking the ribs and arms of one doctor. When, when his heart was seen to beat for a full two minutes after he had bled out, to the point there was more air in his vascular system than blood. Even after it stopped, he continued to scream and flail for another three minutes, struggling to attack anyone in reach, and just repeated the word more, over and over, weaker and weaker, until he finally fell silent. The surviving three subjects were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility, the two with intact vocal cords continuously begging for the gas demanding to be kept awake. The most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room that the facility had in the process of preparing the subject to have his organs placed back within his body. It was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative that they had given him to prepare him for the surgery. He fought ferociously against his restraints, and when the anesthetic gas was brought out to put him under, he managed to tear, tear most of the way through a four-inch wide leather strap on one wrist, even through the weight of a 200-pound soldier holding that wrist as well. It took only a little more anesthetic than normal to put him under, and the, inst the instant his eyelids fluttered and closed, his heart stopped. In the autopsy of the test subject that died on the operating table, it was found that his blood had triple the normal level of oxygen. His muscles that were still attached to his skeleton were badly torn, and he had broken nine bones in his struggle to not be subdued. 
Most of them were from the force his own muscles had exerted on them. The second survivor had been the first of the group of five to start screaming. His vocal cords destroyed. He was unable to beg or object to surgery. He only reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval when the anesthetic gas was brought near him. He shook his head yes when someone suggested reluctantly that they try the surgery without anesthetic and did not react for the entire six-hour procedure of replacing his abdominal organs and attempting to cover them with what remained of his skin. The surgeon presiding stated repeatedly that it should be medically possible for the patient to still be alive. One terrified nurse assisting the surgery stated that she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times whenever his eyes met hers. When the surgery ended, the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly, attempting to talk while struggling, assuming this must be something of drastic importance. The surgeon had a pen and pad fetched to, so the patient could write his message. It was simple. Keep cutting. The other two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anesthetic as well. Although they had to be injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation, the surgeon found it impossible to perform the operation while the patients laughed continuously. Once paralyzed, the subjects could only follow the attending researchers with their eyes. The paralytic cleared their system in an abnormally short period of time, and they were soon trying to escape their bonds. The moment they could speak, they were again asking for the stimulant gas. The researchers tried asking why they had injured themselves, why they had ripped out their own guts, and why they wanted to be given the gas again. Only one response was given. I must remain awake. All three subjects' restraints were reinforced, and they were placed back in to the chamber, awaiting determination as to what should be done with them. The researchers facing the wrath of their military benefactors for having failed the stated goals of their project considered in euthanizing the surviving subjects. The commanding officer, an ex-KGB, instead saw potential and wanted to see what would happen if they were put back on the gas. The researchers strongly objected, but were overruled. In preparation for being sealed in the chambers again, the subjects were connected to an EEG monitor and had their restraints padded for long-term confinement. To everyone's surprise, all three stopped struggling the moment it was let slip that they were going to going back on the gas. It was obvious that at this point, all three were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of the subjects that could speak was humming loudly and continu continuously. The mute subject was straining his legs against the leather bonds with all his might, first left, then right, left again for something to focus on. The remaining subject was holding his head off his pillow and blinking rapidly. Having been the first to be wired to EEG, most of the researchers were monitoring his brain waves in surprise. They, they were normal most of the time, but sometimes flatlined inexplicably. It looked as if he were repeatedly suffering brain death before returning to normal. As they focused on paper scrolling out of the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the same moment his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to that of deep sleep, then flatlined for the last time 
as his heart simultaneously stopped. The only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed in now. His brainwave showed the same flat line as one who had just died from falling asleep. The commander gave the order to seal the chamber with both subjects inside as well as three researchers. One of the named three immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point blank between the eyes, then turned the gun on the mute subject and blew his brains out as well. He pointed his gun at the remaining subject, still restrained to a bed. As the remaining members of the medical and research team fled the room, I won't be locked in here with these things, not with you. He screamed at the man strapped to the table. What are you? He demanded. I must know. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? The subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you, all, begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, then aimed at the subject heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakenly choked out, so nearly free. That is the story of the Russian sleep experiment. Now, when I read that, my cousins had me believe it was real. It is not. <laughs> as far as we know, that didn't actually happen. That was written as a piece of fiction. It was posted on a website that is for short story fiction. <laughs> so it's not real, but it sounds damn real, especially to like a 14-year-old kid shitting his pants as he reads it. <laughs> it's amazing. Snopes.com, it's a fact-check website. Um, goes into detail. A popular creepy online tale of a Russian sleep experiment with the improbable title tag of Orange Soda involves Soviet researchers who kept five people awake for 15 consecutive days through the use of an experimental gas-based stimulant. This account is an historical record, is not a historical record, of a genuine 1940 sleep deprivation research project gone awry. However, it's merely a bit of supernatural fiction that gained widespread currency on the internet after appearing on creepypasta.com, a site for short stories designed to unnerve and shock the reader in August of 2010. So this is a viral story and people loved it. It was all over the internet. And that's why my cousins showed it to me. They like scaring people. As I like scaring you on October. I didn't want to say it wasn't real until I got to the end, but you probably knew that um, if you haven't already heard it. I hope I read it okay. I know I stammered a little bit. Uh, but it's a little bit long, and I'm not the best. I don't have, I have good writing skills, not the best reading skills. So, hope you enjoyed it. But you probably should know a little bit of science of sleep deprivation itself. It's in reality, it is terrifying. I don't know if it brings forth the animalistic side of us or some otherworldly evilness inside of us all. But it is scary. Uh, the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, what happens when you don't sleep? There's lack of alertness. Even missing as little as an hour and a half can have an impact on how you feel. Excessive daytime sleepiness, you're going to be sleepy during the day. Impaired memory, uh, you're not going to remember stuff very well. Relationship stress, you're going to be snappy. People are going to get tired of you. Quality of life, you may become less likely to participate in normal daily activities or to exercise. Greater likelihood of car accidents. If you're a truck driver, you have to sleep or you're going to crash thousands of crashes injuries fatalities each year according to the national highway traffic safety administration those are the small 
side effects of sleep deprivation. Now, here's some of the worst ones. If you continue to operate without enough sleep, you may see more long-term and serious health problems. Some of the most serious potential problems associated with chronic sleep deprivation are high blood pressure, diabetes, heart attack, heart failure, or stroke. Other potential problems include obesity, depression, impairment, and immunity, and lower sex drive. So, pretty bad. Also, chronic sleep deprivation can affect your appearance. Over time, it can lead to uh, premature wrinkling and dark circles under the eyes. There's also a link between lack of sleep and an increase in the stress hormone cortisol in the body. Cortisol can break down collagen and protein that keeps skin smooth. So it's going to make you ugly. It's going to make you want to not have sex as much. It's going to affect your relationship with others. You can get diabetes from it. Um, your immune system is going to get bad. You might get COVID. You can get obesity because they say there's a link between being tired and having you know, food cravings. So sleep, guys, it's important. Eight hours, okay? I say eight hours, but really, usually you need somewhere around six or seven. That's okay. We all know you don't actually go to sleep right when you go to bed. We all get on our phones a little bit. That's fine. Give it eight hours so you have a little buffer time so that, you know, you're on your phone or whatever, or maybe you have to wake up in the middle of the night to pee or something. So eight hours sleep, guys. Hope you liked this last episode of the of the month of Fright Fest. This was on last minute. I was on vacation. I didn't have all the research time to do it. So that's why I did the Russian sleep experiment. Also, this is on a new mic. I bought this mic at five below. So if there's a terrible sound quality, sorry. I wanted to try it out. I, I did test it. Thought it sounded okay. It's a $10 mic from five below. I'm pretty impressed with the quality I heard on the test. So hope you enjoy it. Last Fright Fest episode. And tune in next week, Huda Thunkers. Thanks for listening.